Welcome back to Confessions of a Cleaning Business Owner. I'm Louise Traherne and I'm here today with Diane Greenwood. And today we're going to be talking about being a great cleaning business owner. And this is quite an interesting topic because a lot of us aspire to be a remote cleaning business owner. We want the business to run without us and we sit there taking a residual income. And that would be brilliant. But to get to that stage, we all have to pass through a management stage. So today, what we're going to talk about is actually you developing as a manager what needs to happen in order to you, for you to run a good, effective team that is providing amazing customer service. So whether you've got a team or not now, you are a manager. You're managing other people's expectations of you. You're managing, you know, all of us manage our own houses, our own families. So we're going to talk through really your development as you become a great manager. Now, Diane, we had a chat beforehand. You are a very experienced manager, a pretty good manager by your own admission. You are a good manager. Um, but for today's podcast, you've actually done quite a bit of research on this as well. So to kick us off, what do we need to do to be a good cleaning business owner? Okay, so I had a, a look into this and, and one of my favourite books, and I mentioned it straight away when um, Louise and I were first discussing the topic for this podcast, which is a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Okay, sounds really, really fancy, but actually it's literally the seven things you, you know, that he's been identified that makes people great and effective people, whether that's managers, whether that's business owners. And it's by a guy called Stephen Covey. Really, really good. So I thought actually as a basis the podcast we might talk through these seven habits and discuss them and kind of how you know how our views on them and and therefore hopefully help you realize that you maybe have some of them already but some of them you might need to work on yes I think we can all improve it doesn't matter how good you are and and I'm talking about recruitment soon I'm pretty good at recruitment and I'm doing a presentation and I'm going right I've got to pick up all these things and I think the same is true with management we definitely all need to keep improving our skills so Go on. What do we need to do? What's one of the first ones? So habit number one is about being proactive and focusing on what you can control and influence instead of what you can't. And it's also about not blaming the situation or other people for what's going on, but actually taking responsibility for it yourself. That's the first habit. What do you think of that, Louise? Ah, oh, do you know, it's interesting, this one with the group It's hard, isn't it? When something goes wrong in your business or you're not getting enough business in or a member of staff quits for you to go, oh, it's me. Like, that's tough, isn't it? Because somebody leaves because perhaps you're a bit too expensive and, you, you know, you're tempted to say, well, that's just them. No, it's you. And it's probably not that you're too expensive. And that's hard. Yeah. And it's, it's this isn't saying it's all your fault. This is actually just taking responsibility and realising that you're in control. Because I think sometimes blaming other people makes it feel like we can't control it. So for me, this isn't about you're, you're to blame. This is about you're in control. Yes. No, but I completely agree. And going back to the example, it's not that you're too expensive. It's probably something else that you probably are more in control of than you think, you know. I, it's a hard one. And I think particularly when you get complaints about things that are seemingly out of your control, you get a complaint about something you probably didn't do. And actually, if you look at it, you go, actually, I probably could have affected this with better communication or it's really hard, though, to imme not immediately go, I'm, I'm not to blame. This really isn't me when actually 
often it's your communication isn't it yeah and and using this sort of habit of being proactive and and taking responsibility and also taking back control means that you can focus on what you can improve so it doesn't happen next time so rather than kind of you know oh it's no it's the customer the customer is just obviously not the right customer was it your customer service was it your quality control was it your communication look at what you could potentially fix it might be the customer but if you can look at what you can potentially fix and and change within the business to prevent it happening again that's what being proactive is all about and we see this play out in the groups i I absolutely hate we've talked about this before i don't like these ones where they'll the people will put up a picture of a screenshot of a conversation between them and a customer and everybody will jump on going dump that customer get rid of them and you go Oh my goodness, this is not the customer. This is your management skills. Um, and that's heartbreaking for us to watch, isn't it? And you almost don't want to be the one to say to them, this is you, not them. And, and people really jump on that bandwagon, but it really is. We can do an awful lot to prevent this and stop it happening again. Yeah, 100%. Okay, do you want habit two? This is my favorite, actually, um, which is begin with the end in mind. This is about defining what success means to you, what your what business you're trying to create. And I talk to um, our members about this a lot um, and also having a plan in place to achieve them. So successful people begin with the end in mind. This is a really interesting one because the number of coaching calls I do and you say, why did you start a business? What do you want from it? And they don't know. And so we'll ask the question in a few different ways. Like, what do you want in five years time? Most people that I speak to just want a business that they enjoy working in and just works around school hours for a lot of them. And then they're off doing all these weird and wonderful things, starting laundries and, you know, taking on staff all over the place. And I'm going, that's not getting you to where you wanted to be. You wanted flexibility and free time. Is this really what you want? And uh, yeah, people really aren't looking at the end goal, are they? They're looking at the there and then. Yeah, absolutely. Or looking for a quick fix. And it's kind of like, look, decide what you want. Then you know what the fixes need to be. But if you don't, like you said, if it's just shiny penny syndrome or whatever you want to call it, where it's like, if I do this, it'll make it all better. If I do this, it'll make it all better. I'm like, yeah, but what is the end game? Why are you doing this? Can because I fit with that then you're you're just going off in in different directions can i give a real life example that we're going through it's not quite business but obviously we're uh, looking at the house we're renovating a house it's 10 year plan it's going to take forever i'm currently interviewing architects and they've got to draw designs for a plan for an extension that won't happen for five years we're not even going to start it for five years the whole thing will take 10 years and um, they're literally having to build that in because of the thing that we're doing in two weeks or two months time we need to know about what's happening in five years time so that we're not doubling up on work redoing it we're not making life harder for ourselves and it's the same with the business you are building that architecture what you know what you've got to build so if you know the plans and the steps and have a map to where you're going then you're not wasting time it's not going to take you twice as long um so yeah the end in mind matters yeah it's the classic scenario of climbing a ladder and then realizing you're on the wrong, wrong wall <laughs> you know it's 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 just if you don't know what you're you're aiming for you can't tweak it as you go along you're going to end up doing things that you're going to have to undo so start with begin with the end in mind that's my habit too 
Okay. Okay. Habit three is put first things first, which is all about prioritizing so that you're focusing on the most important things first, rather than constantly reacting to the day-to-day things that come in. Really staying focused um, is what put, putting first things first is all about. I'm quite good at this bit, I think. Um, but even I get distracted and kind of think, oh, actually, you know, I'll, I'll put things off because I don't like doing things. Um, but really having a priority list is is always key for me that works really well for me so i i get distracted so easily so i basically only have three things on my list and because everything else is a distraction and the, for the vast majority of us you only have to achieve two or three things in that day and as long as those two or three things are done it doesn't matter what else i get distracted by oh that's good three things three big rocks in your diary every day um, will really really rocket you to forwards won't they yeah and I get distracted if I have 10 things I'll pick the easy things and I'm like I do that one I never do the top three so now I just only have the top three yeah because no. the rest I do because I like them yeah I think it's also recognizing isn't it what how you work and, and what sort of systems you need in place for you to prioritize and put those first things first but it, fundamentally it starts with actually needing to to find something doesn't it do you know the other thing I do with this? Um, I book the time in my diary. So if I've got to do something, I literally will put an hour, especially if something I don't want to do, of which there's a few things. Yeah. Um, and so I just book that in. And I'm like, and then you it pops up in your diary and you're like, well, I'm not doing anything else. I could go to the gym or I could go and do this thing I really don't want to do. And you just go, oh, I can't do it. Yeah. And I suppose it also takes a bit of looking at that thing that you don't really want to do and sort of why don't you want to do it firstly? Secondly, do you have to do it? Because um, it might be on there just because somebody else wants it to be on there rather than because it serves your purposes. So sometimes you can let yourself off the hook a little bit, but sometimes you just need to get on with it. Yep. Go on. Next one. OK, the next one is habit four, which is think win win so this is about making sure that you're collaborating effectively and having you know really good trust within the business but it might well be it might come to as simple as a sales appointment not selling the client more than they need and that sort of thing but if you think of your whole business is everybody in this relationship needs to get something out of it then that's a really good sort of way to think of things do you know i think this is interesting in the cleaning industry and um, what i see from people that don't necessarily succeed as well is they're not thinking win-win and actually in every situation they almost line it up so they lose so they're giving so much to other people and it's not like they're mean to other people so it's not like they win and the other people lose they put themselves in the losing situation every time and I go why are you doing this to yourself yeah and that's that's really really it seems to be really common in our industry we're such a caring community and people often get into the business for those reasons they want to help people and sometimes it's at their own expense and I did a masterclass for the the DCBM members about this which was there are three people in every every everything to do with the business you've got your customer what the customer wants what your team wants but there's also what the business wants and sometimes it's what the business wants or needs that's left out of how things get into the schedule and how things work in your business and yeah it's very common yeah it's hard it's heartbreaking but go on okay habit number five this is a seek first to understand then to be understood it's a little sounds a little bit of obscure but really it's about sort of 
asking the right questions, understanding other people's needs and perspectives before actually putting your point of view across. It's a, it's a good listening skills, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, this is a really interesting one. And I want to talk about some examples that I've had in my business and we see all the time. So for example, you know, no, because we never really know, you know that a member of staff has done something wrong, left a job early, you know, whatever they've done, let's say they've left a job early. And so you know they've done it. And so it's very, very tempting to go up to them and talk to them about it, inadvertently accusing them of it before you even go, all right, so what's happened? Um, and and to try and find out what's gone on, particularly when you might be a bit hacked off about something without it seeming like blame, is it can be really challenging as a manager, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think assuming as well, um, often it's, oh, well, they've, they've done this to me because of this. And it's like, have you asked the questions? Do you actually know that? Or is that just you assuming that that's the case and therefore making decisions based on wrong information? So it's a really key skill is to learn to listen, learn to ask the right questions before making decisions. And also the other thing is a lot of us deal with difficult situations on a day-to-day basis, but we have to deal with it in the heat of the moment. And if you took a step back, you wouldn't deal with it in the heat of the moment. So like there are a lot of situations where things have gone on, people get emotional about something to be able to go, right, go home. And we will talk about this calmly tomorrow. That takes quite a lot to actually go, right. I want to listen to you. I want to hear you, but I can't hear you or talk to you right now. That's that can be hard. We do deal with some challenging situations. Yeah. Okay. So the sixth habit out of our seven is synergize. Interesting okay. word. But basically, it kind of means two heads are better than one. And it's about teamwork and being open minded. Um, so although, you know, it sounds sort of a bit sort of fluffy when you use the word synergize, actually, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because to grow a business, you need to develop teams, whether that's teams of cleaners or whether that's management teams, having sounding boards. Maybe there might be a community like the DCBN that you actually use to um, build some teamwork in your business if you're used to working day to day on your own it's really nice to be able to reach out isn't it and get other ideas so I'm a bit confused by this one so what you're saying is re- reach out have more people like like your board of directors yeah you can you the, the principle is that you'll produce better results um, if you use other people and sort of use their knowledge and information as well yeah I definitely find this so I've put I, I had a problem recently, it wasn't actually doing cleaning, and I put it on a, a support group on Facebook, and they weren't at all supportive, they gave me practical answers, which I hadn't thought of, and I loved it, and didn't like they weren't at all supportive, they told me to get on with it, I was like, oh, okay then, um, but you know, sometimes that's what we need, don't we, we need that group, because they had experiences that were totally different to mine, and I just felt sad and sorry for myself, I couldn't solve the problem, when they just told me to get on and solve it, so yeah it is those skills yeah I agree and I think also you know but it's very easy to ask a question of your your support network and get the answer that you wanted but actually reaching out to people that might have a different perspective can actually be much more useful to you because otherwise you're just getting confirmation of what you already think it's actually sometimes more helpful to get differing views 
We noticed this because we run a number of Facebook groups. So we run a big public one called Cleaners Support UK on Facebook, and that's open to anyone. And what you find is if you put a question on there, you get vastly different answers to the same questions put on the DCBM members only group. And we see this time and time again, when you put the question up, you get a load of people sympathizing, being, you know, really sad for you or whatever the emotion is needed on the public one whereas the private one people go get on with it this is what you need to do these are the skills and you're partly in the wrong by the way and you go ouch (laughs) ouch but you solve that problem a lot faster and that's what you need those people we don't want everyone to sit and agree with you um unless you are the kind of person that does just want everyone to sit and agree with you most of us if you're running a cleaning business just want to get to the end goal faster and unfortunately, that can be brutal from your board of directors that you've chosen at the time. And that's why synergy is, is important um, as, as habit number six. I like that one. And one of the things that often um, in, in the groups is about sort of pricing and things like that, isn't it? But one recently was um, about I'm, I want to expand my business. I want to, to start get my first employee. And in that public group, I would probably say 50 percent of the answers were don't do it. <laughs> really interesting. But actually, perhaps it's the audience, um, and I'm not knocking that group. There was some actually some really great advice in there as well. But some of that audience are they're not in a position to give you advice because they've not done it yet. So sometimes those that have already done it will give you the facts and here you go. This is what you need to know. But maybe um, not in quite such a supportive way um, and not quite such an emotional way. Yeah. In the members group, they will just give you do this, register here, do that, blah, blah, blah. And then we're going to come on and go, here's a video an hour long. You are going to take on your first employee. That's all the answers. Go get on with it and come back to us if you actually get stuck. Yeah. Which is a totally different answer to don't do it. Oh, I had a horror story. And we're like, just do it. Yeah, absolutely. Because we can help you through it. And then my final habit, which is actually my favorite. And actually, you mentioned it actually at the beginning. um, And I thought, I'm going to keep quiet. not going to tell her that's habit number seven. But actually, habit number seven is sharpen the saw. And actually, that means to improve yourself. Um, It's not just about um, work. This is actually work-life balance and having, um, you know, being healthy and having lots of energy and exercise. But it's also about your business skills so getting some training getting some you know growing yourself reading books like the seven habits of highly effective people in more detail than and obviously just me telling you about us telling you about the seven habits podcast I am yeah listen to our podcast that's sharpening the saw so all the information that's out there whether it's joining the DCBN and using our training listening to our podcast watching YouTube videos I love a good TED talk but that is sharpen the saw improving your skills is the habit number seven So while we're on this, I want to talk about just, you said about improving your life all around. And one of the things that comes up in a lot of business owners groups, whether it's cleaning business owners or a number of other business owner groups, everyone wants to be rich, okay? And the aspiration, I see time and time again, I wanna be rich. And it's really interesting when you study the term rich, because this can mean different people, you know, is that I'm making 20 grand a year? Is that I'm making 200 grand a year? Is that I'm making a million pounds a year? Is that, you know, way more than that? And I personally don't necessarily agree with all of those things. To me, being rich is having the time to enjoy your family, having the freedom, the time freedom, having everything you want around you being, for me, it's time rich. Um, that's the thing I really want because 
what's money really? Like saying this in a business podcast, we are all about money, but actually, you know, once you've got a certain amount and you're happy, it is about being rich in other ways. And then, so yeah, that's to sharpen your skills, but make sure that if you are going to run a business, it ties in with the rest of your life. And as part of learning the skills, what I see about a lot of successful business owners, they often will study something outside of their industry. So particularly when they get to the top, I see a lot of people that study psychoanalysis, psychology. I I definitely do the same kind of thing. And maybe they're the people I'm mixing with. Um, But really it could be quite different to what you're studying. Or, you know, even if you go and do flower arranging, it's completely different. But what you find is the skills you learn outside of your job really bring a different dimension and a greater depth of understanding when you apply those back to your job so I'm all about learning but I don't agree it always has to be in your chosen area I completely agree and actually this this sort of section on sharpen the saw is actually the principle is that if you are you know if everything in your life is in balance whether it's physical emotional mental and spiritual then you're actually going to be able to apply the other six habits more effectively. So actually focusing on your own well-being is really important from a business point of view as well as from a personal point of view. So because they're all connected, aren't they? We're business owners and we have to look after ourselves. And um, there was somebody in one of the groups um, earlier this week that said that they, with a cleaning partner, cleaned eight houses in a day. Um, obviously <laughs> I'm horrified because my goodness eight houses and my comment was you need to charge more and work less um, because you only get one body you know this is it this is all you get um, and you know please don't um, work to the point of exhaustion because it, it really is not worth it in the long term and I think we've all done that I've definitely done it where I've cleaned probably not eight because they'd have to be quite small working over eight hours and that yeah I wouldn't do that but if they were flats yeah eight a day I could knock out it a day. Not anymore, because it takes its toll. Yeah, so, it um, does. Yeah. yeah, so we've talked about sort of the business owner side of things, but actually um, a lot, I-, I want to talk about actually being a boss. So there was a survey of over a thousand employees done by the Lee Group, and 65% said they would rather have a better boss than a higher salary. And that's that's a lot, 65%. I mean, the other 35 would rather just be paid more and put up with whoever their boss is. But <laughs> you don't want to run your own business just hanging on to that 35% because you pay them better. Um, and I think as bosses, we often get bogged down thinking, oh, you know, I can't recruit because I need to pay people more. No, they don't want to work for you. Some people just don't want to work, but some just don't want to work for you. Um, and and that's quite hard kind of learning that, isn't it? And I think as managers, we it can be quite a bit of rejection you face sometimes, can't it? I think it's for me um, that the penny dropped when I realised that my um, my support network within the business was not my team, not my cleaning team, um, because we're not colleagues in the same way as when I worked as a job somewhere else. Um, so as a business owner, and I had a, a chat with a, another cleaning business owner earlier this week that, you know, that was very much about her identity as a boss and wanting to be liked. Um, and and it made it really hard to, to manage the team because it was always that need to be making the decisions um, for what they wanted and forgetting that it was what the business needed as well so yeah it's really tough and I think it's hard because a lot of people in our industry probably 
most people become accidental business owners. So you become an accidental business owner because you're very, very good at what you do. Uh, it works well around your lifestyle. And then you end up running a team because you, you're good at what you do. And you don't necessarily evolve the sort of management skills I think we've talked about this quite a bit it's hard it's really hard and then at what point once you've got three to five staff you've set the culture for that team you then probably will go and do some um development on yourself whether you come to us or whether you go to other places and then suddenly you've got the problem of actually this culture doesn't really work and by culture, it can be, oh, you can text me anytime you want. I don't mind receiving a text from you at two o'clock in the morning. I'm here for you. You know, whatever I can do to make your life easier. And you suddenly go, hang on. What, what's this word boundaries? What, what do you mean I'm supposed to have boundaries? What, what do you mean? What, so the rest of you turn your phones off at 10 o'clock at night. Yes. And you go, okay. So then you decide to start implementing some of these things. And then you get the backlash from staff. Like, I text you and you didn't reply. It was two in the morning. You know, that's not me being unreasonable, but you've then got to have the confidence to stand up to the staff and say, that's not me being unreasonable. That's you. Yeah. And it, it does come down to confidence. And, and we talked when we were prepping for this about resilience as well, and, and whether that's an issue that we take everything very personally. Yeah. So again, we, I, my school's recently come out my son goes to one of the best schools in the country it's very very good and they have come out with the stats that your success your your potential for success as they become an adult is less to do with your exam results and more to do with how resilient you are and that's across every industry that is across all children in every industry and so if we take that back to the cleaning industry and go, right, who, if we took a hundred business owners and went, who is going to be the most successful, you could almost work it out by looking at their ability to be resilient. Now it'd be hard to measure how, what they're, and, and it can develop over time. So if you're not particularly resilient, don't worry, you can develop it. And one of the things they're working with at my school is actually how do you develop resilience with children? And you do have to put them into challenging or difficult situations. So we see this time and time again, cleaning business owners, a lot of us are parents and we love our children. We care about people. We like to serve, that sounds terrible, but like we do like to look after people. And so what you find is you've got, you don't mind cleaning your own house and you don't mind doing the dishwasher. And so you're producing children at the age of 16, 18, they are going out into the big wide world. And guess what? They can't cook or clean because mummy always did it or daddy always did it. And you know, even down to that level of resilience and people are horrified when I talked about my seven-year-old loads the dishwasher and they're like, what, your seven-year-old? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, you know, or, you know, we, we do have to put them in difficult situations or they don't like something. Well, I'm really sorry, but you're going to keep doing it. I know you don't like learning the piano, but you will keep doing it until you pass that exam. I remember when my daughter started university, she was horrified that there were people that she was at university with that couldn't use a washing machine and hadn't learned some basic cooking skills and she was just like I've been doing my own washing since I was 13 and I was like yeah that's because your your floor was a, a floor drobe so I just refused to do it she just started doing her own so it's great but it's a life skill isn't it and yet there were people going to university supposedly some of the cleverest people in the country of the future but had never used a washing machine 
I think one of the hardest things to learn, though, is emotional resilience. Yeah. And you can kind of come at things from two attitudes. If you look at sort of your background, so my background was really stable, really lovely. So maybe, you know, you don't, you haven't exposed yourself to some of the more challenging situations. So for me, when I started running a cleaning business, the biggest shocker to me, and, you know, I was quite lucky that I had my husband around in the background and could bounce ideas off. And my staff lied to me. You won't believe this, Diane. They pulled a sickie and they were lying. They And I was like, they're lying to me and I know they're lying to me what am I supposed to do and I was like I always believed in honesty and I believed in just sort of dealing with this and he was like you can't just do that I was like what why can't I just say I know you're lying to me he's like as a manager you can't do that I was like oh oh, okay so what I sheltered life (laughs) the number of people and I now you know I've been doing this 13 years people still lie to me and and I am absolutely I mean I've got used to it now or people lie about me and one of the things that I learned about running a team is if my staff are talking about me they are connecting with each other and bonding it doesn't matter whether they're lying about me or I'm the bad guy that I totally didn't deserve but if they're talking about me they're connecting with each other and if they are a happy team then I'll be the bad guy if I have to be and I found that quite hard to be talked about, particularly when it wasn't true. And you go, oh, that's tough. And then to not react. That's the thing though, isn't it, Louise, is resilience is not about not caring about what people think or what people say or what's happening. It can still be upsetting, but resilience is about how you react to it and how you control that emotion. Yeah. And and I, when we were preparing for this, I was like, am I resilient? Am I, because it does upset me. And in that moment, I did go, it's not true. What what are we talking about? It's not true. And if it is, you know, you know, when I hear people talk about me, I I don't care. I'm just like, whatever, you know, people do. I accept it. I think when you first become a business owner and you realize people are talking about your business, they are talking about you and you've grown up in a culture where, where you are, where, you know, you're talking behind my back can be quite a big thing how what do you mean you're talking about my back behind my back it's quite a how dare you do that to me how dare you gossip about me and then you realize actually I'm gonna have to get okay with people doing that like that's that can be quite an emotional roller coaster and we say that actually you're two years behind in your emotional development so as you change position and you become your new position and your business owner you you think you are that business owner but actually emotionally it takes you two years to catch up so that wow, can be yeah, quite a challenge. At it. Yeah, and so I suppose for me, that would be, okay, so if I know that, you know, it's going to take me two years to even catch up to where I am now, then it goes back to that sharpening the saw and needing to work on myself. Yeah, it's, but then where do you find that emotional capability? This is where you need a really good coach who is going to question your own thoughts and beliefs about yourself. And a lot of us don't want to question our own identity and thoughts about ourselves. And really, they'll, they're they going to dig a bit deeper and you're going to have to get over some of the things that you believed about yourself going, oh, don't like that about myself. And that's <laughs> If you want to speed that process up, it can be quite painful. I, th- I think um, this is a little confession. One of the things I love and hate about you the most, Louise, is that you ask me really difficult questions sometimes. <laughs> but it's, it's good. It's, it's really it's, healthy. Yeah. Do you know that? So that's really, I, again, this had to be something I learned. So 
as a coach, and obviously I qualify quite some years ago, I think about 15 years ago now, one of the things I'm very good at is getting right to the crooks of the problem really, really fast. And I learned this the hard way. So this isn't actually on topic. I'm going to just tell this story. I learned this the hard way because I found it was something ridiculous. Like 50% of my interviewees were in tears pouring out their life story to me about things they've never spoken about before. Now they were really happy. You know, oh my gosh, nobody's ever asked me these questions. Gosh, you're really, really listening. And I really got to know these people. And this is in a 20 minute interview. And in the end, I was like, why? I, I turned to my husband and I was like, why do these people keep crying in my interviews? <laughs> and he was like, because you're asking inappropriate questions. You are crossing over the boundary of what's appropriate, whether they actually like it, whether they benefit from it is, is irrelevant. You know, whether they actually feel a real connection with you, which is from a sales point of view, you want to feel a real connection. And I could really get that connection. But he was like, you are being totally inappropriate. I was like, oh okay and and that's really hard because actually what I thought was a real strength and so now I haven't had people cry in years but I don't get that emotional connection with them that I'm so good at (laughs) and that's yeah so getting right to the heart of the problem can be really really good but you know if you have got a particular skill like that it's not always appropriate to use it interesting yes when I whack you and I do this on coaching calls with the cold hard truth I don't normally just tell you it will be done in a question Diane do you think this story you're telling me could actually partly be caused by you and you go yeah (laughs) yeah maybe you know uh, do you think that actually if we looked at it from someone else's perspective oh gosh we're going into coaching now aren't we we're not doing coaching actually I, I remember quite fondly the masterclass that we did when we were looking at problems and who was what the solutions were but also what had caused the problem and the scenarios were were kind of made up weren't they but they were all about you and and actually you were the cause of every single problem throughout the masterclass but it's a learning you know it's that thing about you know the, the thing habit one was be proactive but it was also taking responsibility wasn't it sometimes yeah yeah and we work through the right questions and that's the really nice thing about the dcbm because when we talk on the podcast we talk about things in theory which is really really great but in the dcbm what we do is we did interactive call i mean they were in people were laughing at the fact it was all my fault i was like really and they say we'd give a scenario which looked like it wasn't my fault oh it turned out it was and i was like oh it's me again yay (laughs) now obviously i've been part of writing these scenarios so we knew the answer and by the end everyone knew it was going to be my fault but um that's the nice thing we work through it really practically so we work through I think there was like six or seven real life examples because sometimes when you talk through the theory on these podcasts it's really hard to apply it to your specific business and you need it applied to a real life example and you suddenly go oh my gosh that happened to me or what that's my fault is it (laughs) absolutely yeah so what are we concluded about being a better business owner that it's about being resilient about working on yourself what else, Louise? So so I want to run through a few quick ones here. So what is going to make you a really great business owner? So this is this is a list made by the Lee Group. Uh, some of these we've already done. So communicates a clear vision. Okay, so it's easy. People like to get behind ideas rather than people. And if you can get them to buy into your idea of where this company is going to, then they are much more likely to do that. If you look at political parties, they get behind an idea. They don't get behind the leader. So you need to be more than just a person. So get behind that vision. Um, 
and communicate it. If this is the direction you're taking your company in, tell them. They might not all get behind it, but they will. Those that do get behind it know exactly where they're going. They want a clear vision. And that's that's part of creating your culture, isn't it? Yeah. Um, sets performance expectations. Now that's really obvious. How many people don't do this? You know, go out and clean. These are the jobs you do it, and I'll pay you, and I'll give you a text to say well done. Okay, <laughs> and all's fine unless you get a complaint. That's not really setting clear performance expectations. Turn up to the job every day on time and you'll be my best employee. Doesn't really setting expectations. So what should people set as clear performance expectations, Diane? Well, we use a, a feedback system so we can kind of measure performance quite clearly. Um, and for us, that's the simplest way for us to make sure everything's going really well. And we also, of course, we do quality checks as well. So, yeah, it's about making sure the work is being delivered correctly not just regularly now quality okay do you know what we might as well do a podcast on this one on its own this is where most companies fall down isn't it they have not put in clear quality systems if you don't have a clear quality system you are not clearly measure measuring the measurables before we get to a complaint then how on earth do you expect your staff to meet those expectations and what happens is you get to identifying where the well you hear there's a problem and you can't clearly identify how you got to that and you're like, well, actually, the problem started occurring four months ago. And there's a whole load of steps that if you'd had a quality system, you would have picked them up. And now it's too, almost too late to change it. I think we need, to do, we need to do a podcast on training your team and quality control. We do. We, I, I like this one. But anyway, right. Move next on. Provides feedback. OK. How many of us get a bit of feedback? Because I don't think you ever get a complaint from a customer. Feedback. <laughs> feedback. And you do not pass that feedback on to the cleaner, either because the cleaner is defensive, you possibly don't believe it's the cleaner's fault, or sometimes you just don't want confrontation. That that's happens a lot. Yeah, that's called, you know, we talked a, a bit about, about things that are on your list that you don't want to do and you're trying to avoid and you put them off. This is usually one of them, isn't it? Yeah, particularly if you've got a volatile cleaner, you know, and that person's great and you need them because if they quit, you're going to have to cover every job. But how important is that feedback? You it's know, a, it's a key skill to learn how to filter the feedback from the client so that it's better received by the cleaner. Um, but also the fact that you actually do have to give that feedback. And I'm going to give another one here on this topic. I love it in my own business and I pick up quite a lot of work because the customer thinks their last cleaner got useless their quality dropped you know I don't know whatever it was and they come to me and I have a look around the house at the quality of what's gone on and I go yes yes you know bits have been missed yes I agree with what you're saying and then I hear that the expectations on this poor cleaner to clean a four-bedroom house in two hours was totally unreasonable and I tell the customer that they are totally unreasonable and I'll go so far as to break it down and let you go You've got 40 minutes vacuuming. You've got three bathrooms. The top two are going to take me 20 minutes each. Your kitchen's going to take me 20 to 30 minutes. How on earth am I supposed to dust in the 15 minutes that I have left? It's not going to happen. And they go, oh. And I'm like, so you're clean that you've just sacked after being perfect with you for seven years. Do you now think that actually you set her an impossible task? And they're like, why didn't she say? And literally, I clean up 
on jobs like that because the cleaner didn't want the confrontation to actually tell the customer the customer's being a little bit unreasonable and provide feedback. Yep. So it's feedback to your team and to your customers to make sure that, yeah, you're giving, you're just being honest. And listen to your team and provide feedback at an early stage. Don't wait until you want to sack that customer. Provide feedback. My staff feel really uncomfortable that you are following them around the house. Do you want to stop following them around the house? Yes. <laughs> they don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, you can do it as bluntly as that. And, and I would do it over the phone. This is another thing. A lot of us hide behind emails. Do it over the phone. Just talk to them. Get the nuance. And you, I, I like bluntness. That's my style. But, um, you know, you can, how would you do that? Yeah, it gets done over the phone and not by me because I'm, I, I'm, I'm good at it, but I avoid it. So I have somebody else that does it, yeah. So I would avoid it, and I do have other people that do it, but when it comes to the ones that they go, oh, I feel really uncomfortable with this, Louise, and I get oh, it put straight back to me, and I'm like, oh, okay then. And then you hear the whole office go silent because they're desperate to hear what I'm going to do, and I'm like, oh, come on then. Isn't that also part of being a good cleaning business owner, that when your team are like, I need help, then you, you know, you're going to, you're prepared to step in. Yeah, yeah I think you've got to recognize efforts this is a big one isn't it so we've both gone quiet there it's such a big one it can be as small as a text after each clean it can be team of the week uh, you know employee of the week employee of the month you know oh you've done brilliant in your attendance you've not had a six day for three months here have for me it's a 25 pound traffic center voucher um, you've really gone above and beyond on this after builders clean. I mean, there's so much you can do. Yeah. So recognize we've got, we've got a whole masterclass on having a motivated and happy team. And a lot of that comes into that, doesn't it? There's so much you can do. There's so many hints and tips. Like I've just listed four or five there. It goes on and on, doesn't it? And um, get to know employees. I think we've got the opposite problem in the cleaning industry. Don't we? we know them very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I think that I think get to know them is fine but remember there are boundaries as well so yeah don't ask them inappropriate questions and make them cry at interview Louise <laughs> but there's no reason why you can't get to know them send them a birthday card you know it's nice to kind of look after them and to know who they are but with the proviso of make sure you've got boundaries yeah I think when they write something like this it's in like a manufacturing company whereas a business owner you may never step onto the shop floor yeah. we've got the opposite problem we're trying to get people off the shop floor so to speak you will know your employees you know their dog's name you know you know their child lost a tooth as a cleaning business owner you probably know that far too well make work fun this is interesting isn't it yes. so I I think that it's interesting when you say making work fun because really we do a lot of things. I think for me, work fun and enjoyment work comes from the team and you can clean any house in any condition. But if you're working with someone, you're just having a laugh with getting on with, you know, anything's easy and doable. But isn't there also the job satisfaction in the job, which can make it, you know, it makes it a fun thing. If people in, you know, we only hire people that genuinely like cleaning. Do, do you know the one thing I've found that makes the biggest difference, particularly as the business owner or as a manager when you're with people? Um, I notice you get hangry. One, two o'clock, they get hangry and they get snappy. And that you literally can feel the mood change at sort of one, two o'clock, particularly if, oh, I don't eat lunch because I never eat lunch. And I'm like, literally, you've been working out for four, 
five hours at this point. So I'll sneak off and I don't really do ice creams because they melt on the way back normally, but a chocolate bar or whatever they like, I'll come back with a little bag of goodies. It changes everything. And they might not remember that, but it changes the mood. It makes it fun. And they're going to keep going till three o'clock um, and, and they just appreciate it. And so fun isn't, you know, you juggling balls and entertaining them and making them laugh. It's making it so most people enjoy work anyway so it's just making their lives that little bit better I think and I know as part of our quality checks we actually you know we help them while we're there yeah you know just do some just even if it's 10 minutes do a bit of vacuuming for them just as part of it you know they're still getting paid the same but it's just a nice little extra that you're just helping them rather than just being there to check up on them yeah and they like you to do the vacuuming because that can be the hard work. But yeah. if they're on top of things, I'll go, oh, you haven't done a bedroom. I'll just do this bedroom for you. And yeah. it's as little as that. And I like to work in the same room as them so you can chat to them. But what, you know, if I'm going to be talking to them, if I do a quality check, and to be fair, I don't do a great deal anymore. Our amazing quality manager does it. But if I'm there and they're cleaning a bathroom, I'll go and do the room next door so I can talk to them quite easily. But I'm not just going to stand and chat. And if you make it more relaxed, you can hear about, oh, you know, how's oh, what's going on with your boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. Like, what's going on? Like, this is why they cry on me, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yes, Louise. <laughs> I should stop asking these informal chatty questions. <laughs> no, they don't cry when I ask that one normally. Um, decisive. Is that always yep. a good thing? I think decisive, so long as you bear in mind um, one of the habits, which was, you know, seek first to understand. So making sure that you're making decisions based on the right information. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because I think one of the things that, you know, I've been studying recently is you've got to make um, decisions with incomplete information. So you have to make a decision on something like, for example, your plan might go horribly wrong in the day. And say you've got four or five staff out and things go wrong and there's like um, a blockage on the road. There's been a crash on one road. So you now can't get to two of your cleans and two others. You need to contact them and make the clean go earlier. But, you know, one of them isn't going to be home for so long. And you're going oh my gosh and actually you don't have enough information and then one of your teams goes oh, I'm stuck in the crash now and I can't turn around and you're like oh my goodness and it can be overwhelming and sometimes you have to stop almost write it down but you have to you have to make decisions with incomplete information and actually if you had the full picture um which you will have three hours later you'd probably have made different decisions but you can't beat yourself up for that you just have to make the best decisions at the time with the best information you've got yeah yeah and kind of be be kind to yourself you know you you can only make decisions on what you know yeah but i do i'm talking about this as someone who is quite decisive probably too decisive sometimes um but I know I see people, I'm like, just make a decision, just decide what you're going to do. And they're like, oh, you know, but what if it's wrong? Probably is. Do it anyway. But also, you know, if you think, you know, if you're going back to one of the habits, which is begin with the end in mind, is the decision, does it align with what you want? If it does, then it's probably the right decision. So what would you do when you say begin with the end in mind? Let's say you've had a crash and half your team can't get to half the jobs. What's the what's the end you've got in mind? Well, the end they've got in mind is satisfying the three needs of the business, which is making sure the customers are looked after, your staff are looked after, and that the business is looked after. That should be, every decision should be taking account of all those three things. So 
the reality for a lot of us is right we'll get to the jobs we can get to but we accept we cannot get to all of them and so the sooner you make the phone call to tell the customers that you can't the better a lot of people go oh just get to your job as soon as possible but actually if you'd made the decision let's say a team can only get to one of their two jobs one is every four weeks and one is every week get to the one that's every week rather than the one that's every four weeks even though the four week one's next and you just go go to the next one and see what you can do it's about having that end one in mind and if I lose a customer I'd rather lose the one that's every four weeks yeah and that's where I sort of said about it's the customer's needs the, the team needs and then the business who is the best customer to cancel for the business but also you've got to look after your team member if they've you know if there's a problem they need to feel supported as well as well don't they so every decision has to take those things in mind but it also has to be focused on what's right for the future of the business oh I love it Diane try implementing all of this in one go though it's a challenge isn't it so I hope the people that have listened to this um you know just pick up that one little bit just implement one part of this we've talked and talked and talked and I get the feeling that this is the kind of podcast that you could listen to again and again and actually take something different from it um when we talk about the seven high what are they seven habits of highly effective people if I yeah. said that right it's a bit of a tongue twister you, you know you can read that book again and again and again And each time you're at a different stage in your business, something else is happening and you can tweak it. So if you have liked listening to this podcast, I'm going to say this every time, please give us a like or follow. I think about 5% of people that listen to this will give us a follow. Please do, because it just supports us. It doesn't cost you anything, supports us. And it means that we can keep producing great quality um, podcasts and keep going for you and supporting the industry. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. I look forward to speaking to you again very, very soon. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye.